That would be, that'd be good. You guys are alive today? Yeah? Good. Look at your neighbor and say, man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Yeah, thank you. So good to uh, have Ryan and Nina with us today. Wasn't that fun? Yeah. Fun, powerful worship. Man, I appreciate their hearts. And uh, man, I felt like, the, woo, we could have went for another hour. Don't be thinking, why didn't we? Because I know you guys, were, you guys are just worship animals. Do you know what I'm saying? And, you know, you love to worship the Lord, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you're actually, so. Anyway, um, we're going to be looking at the next couple weeks. We have, a, we have our school of ministry starting in four weeks. Four weeks, isn't that going to be awesome? So if you're not attending, be praying. It's going to be great. We have, we have over 40 students so far who are registered, and uh, so we're super excited about that. Our goal is 50, and uh, 50 would be like the parting of the Red Sea. That would be like, absolutely amazing if we had 50, but we can believe the Lord for 50 students, and so we're, we're excited about that, and uh, what else is going on here? A lot of fun stuff. Oh, we have the conference coming up, so don't, I don't know if you guys ever heard of Andy Glover. I, I, I met him uh, briefly when we were, in, we were actually in Southern California and uh, he is actually, um, I think he's from a European nation. <laughs> I'll just say that. So I don't know if he's from Sweden or whatever. Um, and, but he does have an accent, carry an accent with him. And uh, you guys have a lot of fun. He, he's great, great guy. Um, but he'll be with us at the conference. And we'll have Chris Cruz from Bethel, which is kind of fun and crazy guy. And so we just think it's a great combination for the conference. So we're super excited about that, and, um, and I think that's it. That's all my announcements. I never, you know, I should have a list of things I want to cover before I get up here, but did I say how much we just love Ryan and Nina? Yeah, okay. They're not, they're not in here yet, or did they get in here? So uh, maybe when, when they walk in, you guys can spontaneously clap for them, and then I'll say thank you, and that's for them, I'm, and I would point in that direction. All right, well, so today... I was, just in, I was just in prayer. I don't know what to do with this. You could tell. Um, I was in prayer this week. As you, Hopefully I was in prayer this week. And um, I was asking the Lord, so here's what we're going to do. We're, what we're going to do is like we're going to take all like 12 weeks that we talked about Father Heart, and we're going to wrap it up in 30 minutes. I want faith to fill the room right now. All right. <laughs> I want faith to fill the room right now. And, uh, and so, um, and then we'll see how, I, I, think I, had, I think I know how to land the plane today. Um, and then uh, next week, I really want to dive into Romans 8. And so I, I would just like to just really go for it out of Romans 8. So, uh, and did I say that um, how much we appreciated having Ryan and Nina with us? Oh, so, so. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, that was your point to laugh, but uh, I, I bragged on you guys when you guys were, you know, going off stage, coming here, getting something to drink, come back in. So, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of round this up, and uh, and there's a there's a handout. Um, oh man, I told you the handout before 
It's actually in the lobby. So you can't get it now. Why did I do that? Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of capsulize this thing in about 20, 30 minutes. And then uh, what we're going to do is next week hit Romans 8. And then, uh, and then yeah, but then we have, we'll be in Philadelphia. Well, anyway. So, um, so just kind of capping it out, uh, when I got saved at the age of 16, Jesus came into my heart, changed my life. And again, I didn't get saved. I got saved. I don't know if you know the difference between saved and saved. Theologically, there is no difference. But the transformation that took place in my life was immediate. And so no one, uh, no one tossed a Bible at me, threw a Bible at me, threw a rule book at me. Um, the things I used to not like, I began to love, like going to church. And, and the things that I used to love, I just suddenly just had no interest in. And it was the transforming work of the of the Holy Spirit, of the Lord Jesus inside of my heart. And I think that's super, super important um, for us to at least begin with. But Jesus was, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, right? So this is my right and your left. And he's here. And and then at the age of 19, um, I went to a prayer retreat and I discovered the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, when when I was saved or regenerated, of course, the Spirit of God comes in. But then the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that second encounter where the Spirit of God comes on you. And that's when I, uh, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, received the gift of uh, tongues, speaking in tongues, I should say, and changed my life. Like when I was 16 years old, I found Jesus, changed my life. Jesus is still Lord. Amen. Jesus is the champion of heaven. Could... All right. So, but at the age of 19... Uh, Jesus says, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send the Comforter. I'm going, to send, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he says to them in Acts chapter 1, tarry for the Holy Spirit. So that's what I did. I tarried. That's an old word that says you just keep crying out, keep crying out, keep crying out, keep crying out. And I read all the revival books. So I thought I had to cry out for weeks to receive the Holy Spirit. You know, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, not really knowing what it's going to do or how it's going to impact me. But all of a sudden, at the age of 19, in a, in a, I don't know, on an old bench on a dirt floor in a campsite, the Holy, I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, and it revolutionized my life. If you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I would strongly encourage you to go for it, I'm telling you. So uh, revolutionized my life, and I was called in the full-time ministry um, Right after that, right after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, boom, everything changed. I was going to go into business. I, I had my whole thing. I was actually taking business law cal- classes and accounting. Why? I'm glad the Lord spared me <laughs> from all that. All of you accountants, I love you guys. You guys are precious, um, but thank you, Jesus. All right, so that's all I got to say. So these are two pivotal things, but for all my life, um, the Father was always back here. And so... So I, I, I knew Jesus as Lord. I, had, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, but the Father was like the CEO, the conductor, right? And he was like the, the one that was, that was way in the back. And again, you know, he was the only picture I had of him because I was raised um, Catholic. The only picture I had of him was the long beard and the Michelangelo picture. You know, he's reaching down, and that's the Father. So, so the Father to me was the Ancient of Days, literally, and... He had the long beard, and he, but he was distant. Like theologically, I knew that he was, 
he was God. I understand three persons in one, like I theologically grabbed that whole thing, but, but I never really knew who Father was. And so, though theologically I understood who the Father was, I didn't understand the Father experientially. Does that make sense? All right, so, so in my journey, um, especially over the last year, the Father has moved from here pretty much all the way here, right? And so, so now we have Jesus the Son, we have the Father, and we have the Holy Spirit, three persons in one. But all my life, I always thought that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit sat like this. And so I would petition Jesus, I would petition, I would ask the Holy Spirit, and it really can get kind of confusing. I ask the Lord to please simplify this for me. Because, you know, Jesus says, pray like this, our Father, right? So I don't want to get into all the semantics of, you know, when a little kid prays, the, the parents aren't going to say, you know, you got to pray like, you got to say Father if you want, you know, like, he understands the heart of a child. Does that make sense? So I just want to take all that pressure off of you in the name of Jesus, Okay. Just, you know, you can cry out to the Lord, and whether you use, address him as Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, Elohim, whatever, whatever you want to, Jehovah Jireh, whatever you want to just go ahead. He understands, all right? So there's a point, of, a process of maturity. I get it. But anyway, that's come to him as a child. So the older you get, the younger you should get. Isn't that weird? When you're younger, you want to be older. When you're older, you want to be younger, but in the Spirit... The maturity is actually, I won't even go to that. I won't even say that because then I'll get, okay. So, but then I found in John chapter 1, verse 1, and John chapter 1, verse 6, uh, in the Gospels, I, I've, I found out that, and then John 17, I, I can keep going, but John 17, that actually the Trinity is not like this. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I won't even use the word Trinity, but the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit aren't quite like this. What they are is that they're actually face-to-face. So you have the Father, you have the Son. He's not turning your back on anybody in the room. Prophetic people don't. Okay. So it's the Holy Spirit, I mean, and, and Jesus. Okay, what's he doing turning this? Okay, so, so here's, here's how, now I don't know how this looks like, but it says in scriptures, it says in Scripture that they're actually face-to-face. So how does, the, how does the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit commune face to face? It says in John 17, he, Jesus says, I finished the work. Remember the John 17 amazing prayer? I finished the work, and he says, I want to, I want to return back to you. And, and I like how the Passion Translation translates it. I want to be face to face with you again. Now, I don't know how that works. I just know that that's, that's what it means. So there's communion between the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit face to face. And I just want you to imagine with me just how tight that communion is. I mean, three persons as one. So what I, what I began to understand is that actually when I got saved, I was actually out, initially I was here. And then when I sinned, I came out here. And then when I got saved, guess where I'm at? I'm not at a distance looking in. He actually places me in the center of the communing of the Godhead. So I have this intimacy. You have this intimacy with Jesus. Though you're sitting in your chair, in the spirit, you are seated in heavenly places. You are seated with the, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit, and the Father 
together communing with him. So what happened in the garden? Well, we know that God creates Adam outside the garden. He puts him in the garden. He creates Eve out of Adam. They're actually in the garden in communion. And they're communing with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're actually here. I don't know what that, I don't know what that was like in the garden. I mean, just take a moment and imagine that with me. Like, what would be like, how long were they in the garden with the, with the Father? How long were they in the garden before they actually committed the, the fatal sin, right? Genesis chapter 3, right? So, Genesis 3. So, one and two, here they are, and th- that's where they receive their mandate. That's where they're in communion. And even though they fell out of relationship, the mandate stayed the same, and that is have dominion. So we actually have a dominion from a place of communion. That's always been the mandate. And so now Adam and Eve, they make the dreadful choice, and they step, they step out of fellowship from the Godhead, and they're orphaned. What does orphan mean? Orphan means your father. You, your, your father has abandoned you. You don't have a father. You're not living with a father. Now, that wasn't the father's fault. That was actually my fault. That was Adam's fault. So from the time of Genesis chapter 3 all the way to Jesus, we have mankind that is actually separated from intimate communion with the Godhead, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now in the Old Testament, we see God, we see the Spirit of God coming on people. We have, we see the life of King David. We see the, we see this communion, this reach for God through the Old Testament, but the truth is, is we're still orphaned. So in the fullness of time, chapter Hebrews, I'm doing pretty good, right? You guys are praying for me, aren't you? All right, good. So in the, the scripture says, in the, in the fullness of time, Jesus comes. Now, what, what, what still staggers me a bit in kind of growing in this revelation is why did Jesus come? And, I mean, I understand the cross. I understand the resurrection. I understand the sinless life. But unto what? Well, unto my salvation. Unto reconnecting me with God. Well, unto what? Like, what's the purpose of that? And so if you're around my team a lot, I'll say, those, I'll say that phrase a lot, like, under what? Like, what's the, what's, the, what's the driving underlying purpose? And I think I see it in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, which says, unto bringing many sons into glory. So why did Jesus go to the cross? Why was there the resurrection? Why did he live the sinless life? He, was, he did that so he, we can be reunited uh, to the Father, we be reunited to the Godhead unto what? Unto bringing many sons into glory. Now, when I talk about sons, just like the bride makes up man and woman, sonship makes up man and woman. They're the same. So all the ladies say, amen. When I say sonship, say, okay, good. Now I say bride, all the men say, yeah, okay. I grab a... A little bit deeper voice, I heard us in the corner. Amen, true glory. All right, so 
Now, I want you to just take a moment. I want you to, I'm, I'm going to give you some scripture verses, and you can jot these down or not jot them down. Totally up to you. But, but it says in Hebrews chapter 3 that Jesus was the exact representation of the Father. Let me propose something to you with my big iPad sitting in front of me and the screen popping up right there. The ultimate goal of Jesus was to reveal and create a way to the Father. I never... you got to remember, I was raised like this. You mean the ultimate goal of Jesus was actually to create a way for me to go to the Father? Why would that even be important if the Father's here? Real interesting, right? All right, so, so Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, you start especially, I would encourage you to jump into the Gospel of John especially. But if you have a harmony of the Gospels, that's fine. Or Let me just kind of read this, read this to you. So in Hebrews 1, 3, Jesus was the exact representation of the Father. John 5, 19, Jesus only did what he saw his Father do, right? John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the, but through. Jesus is the champion of heaven to bring us into the embrace of the Father. What's the end goal? The end goal, thank God for everything Jesus did because he's God. What I'm saying is, whoops, that the end goal was to actually create a way for you and for me to come to this revelation of who Father is. Now, I would say for 50, 100 years, probably longer than that, probably when, when Luther, when the Reformation hit, it's grace plus faith plus nothing gets us into the kingdom of God through the blood of Jesus. Through the blood of Jesus. I got to make sure I get the right chair right, you know. Through the blood of Jesus, right? Probably 1906, Azusa Street. Holy Spirit. If you understand revival history, that was the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? So the baptism of the Holy Spirit was being, God was pouring the Spirit out on mankind, probably even before that, way before that, but anyway. But I think over the last 20, 30 years, it's been this revelation of who Father is. And for us, for many of us, Our fathers weren't great dads. And so we have this perception of who the Heavenly Father is. Some of us have grabbed that revelation. I love talking to people who, who will say things like Papa, you know, or Dad. or I always had a hard time saying Dad. or I, always had, I, I thought there was a reverence issue. You know, you call him Father. Jesus said, Our Father. What business are you calling him Dad? Well, it says in Romans 8, Abba. So you're talking from an Old Testament perspective that any time they wrote the word Elohim or the word God, they would actually 
take that pen, write the name, and they would throw the pen away and grab another pen because he was so revered. We're talking about the God who was in the Old Testament that was so, so distant, so, so other than, so that, that even they wouldn't even mention his name fully. You're going from an Old Testament revelation to this New Testament revelation in Romans chapter six, uh, 8 and Galatians chapter 4 to actually calling him dad. You know how, a big, how big of a swing that is? You know when Jesus was on the earth and he was saying, the disciples like, man, you have this communion with, with God that's, in, that's insane. Like, teach us how to pray. So he says, pray like this, our Father. What's the goal of evangelism? That every person on the earth could address God as our Father. My Father. So Jesus says, I am, you guys all right? I'm trying my hardest to get done. In my conclusion. All right. John 14, 9 says, he who has seen me has seen the, has seen the Father. Isn't that interesting? John 14, 18, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. That means they were. John 14, 20, I am living, this is a, this is a, a mind bender, Right? I am living in the Father, and that you are one with me, for I will be living in you. What? I mean, come on, the disciples were like 24 years old. They're like, what? what? They weren't trained, right? So what are you talking about? So, so we're, Jesus is in us, we are in Jesus, and Jesus is in the Father. So we're all in the Father. I know that's, anyway, moving on. John 17, great chapter. Jesus finished the work which the Father had given him to do. That means there was a task that Jesus was to fulfill. John 17, 26, Jesus revealed to his disciples who the Father is. John, 7, John 20, 17. After the resurrection, Jesus said to Mary Magdalene, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father. He only said it after the resurrection. What does that mean? That Jesus accomplished the work. And he is the doorway to the Father's heart. You and I have access to glories that are unimaginable. Jesus is not only our Savior, Jesus is our older brother. That's what the Scripture says. He's God Almighty, but he actually is the Son of God. Okay, just checking. I want the, uh, hopefully that kind of stuff is happening. 
That, that means you're, the Lord is ta- just downloading stuff to you. That's what that means. Listen to this. John chapter 20, verse 21. Then Jesus commissions them, saying, As the Father has sent me, I also send you. You know what's really interesting? Is if you really dive into the Gospel of John, you'll see that Jesus actually addresses the miracles to the work of a loving Father. So when we heard today that cancer was healed, and we did hear today, can you imagine? Cancer, boom, healed by the power of God, right? Simple prayer, cancer in the blood, whatever that was, right? Simple prayer, it wasn't 30 minute, you know, I cast this out, I cast that out, you know, this, whatever. It's just a simple prayer. And a loving father reached and just reshaped the blood system the blood cells in that, in that woman's body, just like that. Now, I understand there's still a, a mystery in healing, but I praise God when someone like that is completely healed. Can you imagine being diagnosed with cancer one, one day, and then the next day you go to the doctor, they can't find any? You think there might be a little relief and like joy that would actually fill? Because that's when, that's when the Lord shows up. You guys all right? So now, so this is incredible, right? Because Jesus comes and he reveals the Father. And then in Galatians chapter 3, 26 through 4, chapter, uh, verse 7, he talks, this, he talks about this whole idea of being adopted. Now, adopted doesn't mean, generally, generally speaking, adoption is somebody who comes into your family that doesn't share your bloodline. So that's not, that's not a great word. It's actually a transliteration. The word he meant was son placing. So in Galatians chapter 3, 26 through 4, 7, based on what Jesus did, we still don't have time to go into it. We did do that about three or four weeks ago. Based on what Jesus did, the finished work of the cross, champ, the champion, again, the champion of heaven, like all the things that Jesus is, now we are actually... When we receive Christ, we're actually placed as sons and daughters here in this communion with the Lord. So what does that mean? That means if you're being placed as sons and daughters is a legal term. It's not some kind of like, yeah, it's a great idea. Let's have you. No, no, no. When you're placed as sons and daughters, you actually now have communion with the Father. But not only that, you become an heir a joint heir with Jesus. What does that mean? That means we actually have the resources of heaven, and I'm not talking about like material things. That's included. I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm talking about things that money can't buy. You think our nation needs a little more peace? You think our nation needs a little bit more joy? Do you think our nation needs the love of God? Not just love, the love of God, agape love, the unconditional love of God that's actually in the heart of a nation? Long-suffering? Like these are just nine, 
There's just nine here that are listed, the fruits of the Spirit that are listed, but there are things now we have access to that money can't buy. Not only do we have access to, we actually have eternity to discover who God is. I think that's pretty cool. So Jesus creates a way to the Father, and when we believe by faith through grace, we are placed as sons with the full rights and the full privileges of sonship. And if you don't know what those are, I would encourage you to investigate it. Because there are things that you have access to that you, if you don't ask the Holy Spirit to reveal those to you, they're sitting somewhere waiting for you to access them. But if we don't know who we are, if we're still living out here, even though we're here, we still have this orphan mentality. If we're living out here, we don't even know we have access to what the Father has given us. Should believers be chronically depressed? I'm talking about chronic. I'm not talking about, there are times we hit, this, we, hit, we hit rock bottom. Like, we get it, right? That's just life. There are things that happen to us that, boom, like I wasn't expecting that. We just hit it. But be chronically depressed? Or to, li- or to be living faithless? Wow, what was that? To be living faithless? Now, these are accesses and resources that we have in heaven waiting for us as sons and daughters of the living God. We're royalty. Romans chapter 8, 15 through 17 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Fear is gone. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out. Everyone say it. Abba, Father. That's a, that is a very affectionate term that a child uses for their dad. Do you understand how radical that statement was that Paul penned to the Romans? <laughs> the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, we will also be glorified together. Man, that is good news. Turn to your neighbor and say, come on, that's good news. You can, even, you can even use the word, come on, that's fine. So here's the reality. We're no longer slaves. Here's the reality. We are no longer slaves. But we have been placed as sons. We have been, the word there is redeemed. Everyone say it, redeemed. You can even roll the R and be like you're from another. Okay, all right. Redeem means you have to have at least, to, be, to redeem something, it, it had to be yours to begin with. So it's kind of like someone taking my iPad, don't anyone? Someone taking my iPad, going to a pawn shop, getting, getting, the, pawn, getting the iPad in the pawn shop, however way it works. Me looking for the iPad and I'm going to the pawn shop to see if it's there and it's there. Well, I'm going to have to purchase it. So it was mine, but now it's redeemed. I've redeemed it. See, you were always in the Father's heart. But because humanity has stepped out, 
then what happened is that Jesus is the great redeemer. So here comes Jesus, and he makes the payment for our sin, and he actually purchases us back and brings us into this place. Now, we still have a choice here, but the purchase has already been made. So when someone rejects the purchase, that's when they're in trouble. Because the purchase has been made because he's the great redeemer. And so now we have access based on the finished work of the cross because of his purchase for your sins and for my sins and for our salvation. All we have to do is receive it. The older I get, the more simple the gospel has to become. Believe and receive. Paul's argument in Galatians, it's like they were, these, the, they were saved by grace, but they think they had to finish off their salvation by works. So he says, oh, foolish Galatians, who's deceived you? You start by grace and you finish by works? In other words, you start in the spirit and end in the flesh. In other words, you start in the... You start in the spirit and you end up in doing the law in order to get access to God, to God through, the, through, the, through the law, through the system, Old Testament law. Paul's like, no. You believe and you receive. Now here's the good news, is that when you receive and the life of Jesus comes into your heart and grows the transformation takes place, and then James, the book of James comes true. Faith without works is, what kind of works is it? It's not me striving and reaching to hurt in order to get God to like me. It's actually resting and receiving, John 15, abiding in the vine, so then fruits produced out of communion. That's why Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden's light. To stay in relationship. Are you guys all right? <clears throat> all right. Am I doing good? Yay. So we live abiding. We live from approval, finding security, significance, confidence, rest, joyful, positive, Optimistic, blessing, serving others, a deep sense of godly value and worth, living loved, being royalty, living in peace and from peace in relationship with others. You think our nation might need that? You think that our churches need that? As soon as we find our identity as sons, we'll no longer live as slaves. Uh, I... I wish I had time to go into the whole story of the prodigal son. Because he wanted to come back and live as a slave. But his father ran out to him, put his arms around him, and said, you're my son. The orphan heart only exists in the absence of the revelation and experience of the father's love. So for me... There was always a sense of, um, I have to work harder. Or there's a sense, there was a sense of, it, it was, 
my relationship with the Lord, though I love God with all of my heart, I, I just would go anywhere he told me to go. I'd do anything he told me to do. But the Lord kind of fingered, put something on. You know when the Lord does that? He just kind of goes, okay, like there. It was, a, it was a striving based on a measure of performance. And it was really working and living for God instead of living from God. And there's a difference. Yeah. So here's the thing. Romans 5.5. 5. It says, we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. That's transformational. So that, does, that means that I don't have to I'm learning, I'll just say it this way because I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm under construction. I'll just say that. So I'm learning to rest. I'm learning that my walk with the Lord is not based on my performance. It's based on his grace. Can I just, can I just be honest with you? I never liked that statement, you know? It's like the whole 30 minutes is not truthful, you know? What are you talking about? Let me be honest with you. You know what? He knows our, he knows our secret sin. He knows our private addictions. And he loves us anyway. He knows our insecurities. He knows our fears. He knows that we're, we're, we're being pulled in this direction where we know we shouldn't be. He understands the temptation that we're facing. He understands the trial we're in. He still loves us. Listen, there's nothing that you can do that's, that's, that's going to change his love for you ever. Ever. His love is consistent. That means he's not going to love you any less or any more than he does right now. And how much does, can God love somebody? Infinitely. He's right here. Right on that box. He's right here. So I want to end. See that? <laughs> I want to end here because this is where this is where I'm this is where I'm being challenged right now. So and I did this about, I did this like five weeks ago, but I want to end here. It's chair one and chair two. This is the chair of a son. This is the chair of an orphan. When I say orphan, I'm talking about the mindset. Right, so I'm not talking. To, I'm not talking about like you're an orphan, you know. I'm just talking about the mindsets we carry. That the Holy Spirit is sanctifying us. Right, we're becoming more and more into the image of Jesus. Romans chapter eight. Right, we conform into His image and likeness. So since He is the Son of God, we are the sons of God. He's the eternal Son of God. 
Okay. So we're, we're becoming more and more like him. Is there anyone in the room? You have permission to say amen really loud. Okay. So, all right. So we kind of carry these mindsets, and I'm just going to go ahead and, and I'm going to try and relay these to you. So, wow. All right. I told him to be ready. So I have a, I have a song I want to do, and, um, and I, I'm not going to sing it, but you guys know I used to lead worship. All right. So I'm glad the Lord. Anyway, you're glad the Lord. All right. You know, there's something called pitch. <laughs> True. You can have the heart of a, anyway. So you can have the heart of a worshiper, but if you don't have the pitch. Anyway. We're going to call this the I said this is the orphan minded. We're going to change it up. This is I'm going to change it. I have permission to change it. This is the orphan-minded, all right? And this is sonship, all right? So here's what we're going to do. We want to move, we want to graduate, we want to slide all the way over here. There might be all of you, there might be all of you in this room are right here. And I'm just like, dude, way to rock it. I'm not totally right there. I'm a little on this side too, and the Lord's helping me, all right? So the orphan, I'm going to go, I'm just going to do comparisons. Master. What chair is this? All right. Father. The father is distant and passive. Son, the father is present and active. The father is distant because, well, it's fear-based. And this here is love-based. The orphan... Minded, works hard to win love. The sonship abides to receive love. Works for approval, lives from approval. Lives feeling that they, what they do is never enough for God. Lives from the finished work of Christ and he is enough. A servant who strives, a son who serves. Visitation, habitation. We do to be someone. We are someone, so we do something. Views reality from the second heaven. Views reality from the third heaven is seated with Christ. Wants to escape earth and get to heaven. Wants to bring heaven to earth. Lives for God. Lives from God. The world's touch corrupts the believer. The believer's touch cleanses the world. Church E Churchy Church Church E Ecclesi ah. Influenced by the world 
influences the world. Fearful of being misled. Confident in hearing God's voice. Feels approval from God, so there's constant pressure. Feels disapproval from God, so there's constant pressure to perform. Experiences God's pleasure without performing. Lives restless. Lives at rest. Lives constantly focused on fighting off sin. Lives from and walks in the Spirit. Mainly anxious and I dare say negative. Mainly joyful and positive. This chair is what? So let's make sure you're with me. Tends to be pessimistic, focused on what God is not doing. Tends to be optimistic, focused on what God is doing. Lives criticizing themselves, lives loving themselves. Love your neighbor as your, okay, it's saying. Works for everything in life, for their life in God. Receives everything in life for their life in God, John 15. Strives, abides. Primarily receives identity from others. Primarily receives identity from their heavenly father. Uses others for their own benefit. Blesses others and serves them. I'm almost done. This is going to get like, you know. I don't know what that, don't interpret that. Jealous of the success of others. We all struggle with that sometimes, right? Committed to the success of others. Proves worth in order to be loved. They have worth knowing that they are loved. Conditional love. Ooh. Unconditional love. Does not feel they belong to a family resulting in independence. Feels they are part of a family resulting in interdependence. Feels rejected. Feels accepted. Works. Grace. You guys all right? This has got to be the quietest Sunday I think I've ever... All right. Struggles to comprehend that God fully, everyone says the word, fully. Struggles to comprehend that God fully loves them. Fully believes that God fully loves them. Their value and worth is based on service or performance. Value and worth is based on relationship, namely the finished work of Jesus. There's nothing that I can do that's going to add to his work. 
His work is perfect. And His work is complete. The message we have to... I think we should just... I don't know what song we're going to do. You guys are all there, though. It's great. Maybe we should do Raise a Hallelujah. Who said we had to? That was the song I had. Oh, that's my wife. We're having a conversation. Here's my heart. And I love just being candid and just being open. This is something that, this is a journey that the Lord's taken me on, and I'm in my, I'm past my 40s, I'll just say that. I'm in my 50s, okay? And though this has to be the foundation for all the things, this relationship, this love relationship with the Lord is the foundation. This love relationship with the Father is the foundation for everything else we do. It can't be based on performance even though fruit is grown. It can't be based on performance even though works are important. But I don't do works to win His approval. I actually do the works based on how much He loves and approves of me. Does that make sense? So I just want to break off all the, all the, anyone in the room that is striving. Striving is almost illegal. We actually do better from a place of rest. I'm not talking about the pressures of life. Like I understand the pressure. I know like rent is due at the end of the month or the house payments due at the end of my, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this relationship with the Lord where you feel like you have to somehow do so much in order to win love. See, love has already been brought in front of you. He's already redeemed you. It's just a matter of receiving love, receiving God's love. I hope that makes sense. I want all of us to live free, to be secure, to understand significance, not because we read a book, it's because we encountered the love of God. You've been adopted. You've been placed. Live from the place of your inheritance. It's yours. And the Father's given it to you. Yeah? Let's stand. You do it. You do. This is this is back to this is back to familiar days. I don't want to say old days because I got rebuked. Back to familiar days. So just take your hands and let's just stretch them out for a moment. And Father, I just pray for a breakthrough. Lord, I, I would pray that if anyone is struggling with a performance-based, striving-based Christianity, that they would actually know the heart of a Father who fully accepts them as they are. 
And Lord, I would just pray that you would come in and you would touch every single person supernaturally with the power of God's love. Now, here's the truth. If we really knew how much the Father loved us, we wouldn't, we wouldn't want to be anybody else except who we are. There's only one you. <laughs> you can say amen there. There's only one you. Yes. And his, and his heart is just, oh, so focused on you. So, Father, we just receive, we believe and we receive the love of the Father into our hearts. Would you just go ahead and make that a simple prayer as the worship team just goes ahead and ready to close? We believe and we receive the Father's love. You know, just be great at receiving the Father's love. Just be great at receiving the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the love of God be poured into your hearts. In the name of Jesus. Why don't you guys just take it away, guys. You are the sun. 
Sing that one more time, you alone. 